Welcome to Ready, Set, Goal podcast that will inspire you to reach your goals. We'll give you your regular dose of motivation along with our insights to help you achieve your goals. I'll share conversations with awesome influential guests who will inspire us with their story and share their secrets behind their success. I'm your host, Donna Campisi. I'm excited to bring you this podcast. Are you ready? Let's do it on Ready, Set, Goal. Dr. Scott Glassman is our guest today. Scott Glassman is a psychologist and author of A Happier You, a new seven-week program to transform negative thinking into positivity and resilience. He teaches counselling at the Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine, where he serves as the Associate Director of the Master's Program in Mental Health Counselling. Scott is also a member of the Motivational Interviewing Network of Trainers and has been a speaker in many organisations in the US. He is also a contributor to the health section of the Philadelphia Inquirer. He and his wife live in South New Jersey with their son and a lifelong Philadelphia Eagles fans. Scott, before we start, I had to I had to Google Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> and uh, excuse my ignorance, uh, I found out that it's a National Football League team, NFL, for those who are more familiar <laughs> with it. Uh, welcome, Scott. Donna, it's so great to be with you and thank you so much for um, having me on Ready, Set, Goal. Um, what what a better way to help people. There is no better way to help people be inspired and uh, think about where they want to be in their lives. So it's just, just a thrill to talk with you and um, to kind of chat about, you know, how, how we can explore our best possible selves. Thanks, Scott. Uh, it's nice of you to say that. And just for the listeners, we've yeah had a few times where we were going to meet up. So we're finally here. And I'm so glad Scott hasn't given up on me because we've had to change dates and times and things like that. So here we are. <laughs> and we haven't given up on each other, which is what it's all about. Right? <laughs> finding, syn- finding synchronicities in the midst of chaos. <laughs> True. Hey, I want to start with Scott. Uh, what you would say is your most outstanding goal that you've achieved with the in the world of psychology as an and an author and speaker. Is there something that really stands out that you're the most proudest of? Um, I'm most proud of um, the program I developed, A Happier You, which is a seven week uh, program based in the science of positive psychology. Uh, and the book that emerged out of that program, uh, which is um, now uh, available through uh, New Harbinger, I never thought in my life that I'd be able to be holding uh, a book um, and n- not being able to you know, think about uh, getting your ideas onto paper that other people could benefit from in a way that um, has maybe ripple effects that we couldn't even see. So this this idea is, it's been such a gift um, to be able to develop this program, see people benefit from um, sharing experiences of strengths and gratitude, uh, kindness and love, and emerging from it with a different perspective on life. So a different mindset as they develop uh, this set of skills. And then just being able to sit down over a course, um, over the course of a year and uh, to write, to actually have your uh, your voice, your internal dialogue emerge onto the page is 
such a gift, which I've so appreciated, uh, appreciated that opportunity uh, to do that. So I would say that by far, I feel like is, you know, has been a culmination of uh, everything that I was meant to do, you know, to be here on this, uh, on this earth to do. And I think that's what a lot of us seek, right? What is our personal mission? What is our why uh, in the world? Um, and mine has been for the past uh, 10 years, uh, even longer than that, of helping others and different ways of helping others um, find their, their happiness, their best possible selves, seeing what their goals are and removing obstacles, overcoming barriers, especially those that emerge uh, mentally and the internal barriers are sometimes more significant and more profound than any kind of external barrier. Um, so, uh, so that has been really, uh, really a joy. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I agree. Putting uh, it on paper, print is so special, uh, what your knowledge. And is this your first book? This is my first book, yeah. yes. Yeah. So it's and so exciting, isn't it? <laughs> and what I love about it. books, because people talk about, you know, our books going out and that sort of thing, and I don't think they ever will, and it's something that's always there, it's evergreen, and it's something that you can then gift on and share to others, and it's, like you say, a ripple effect, and I, I just love that. And uh, I tend to sometimes, even with books, you know, underline things and go back to it, you know, just to rehash and learn from it and remind myself because I can read a book, you know, more than once as well. And you learn something new from it as well, don't you? Yeah. And that's the best way to be invested in a book, right? Is to, and to get the most out of it, is to interact with it, to underline, highlight, circle, jot down notes, and continually come back to passages which have the most resonance. Um, so in my book, in my program, it's a seven-week program, right, that's split out into different uh, themes based in positive psychology. Some people may really gravitate toward week three, which focuses on gratitude practice. That's been a powerful pathway to positivity and well-being and resilience. Um, others may find week four, which is focused on lightness, playfulness, getting back into child's mind. That might be their uh, pathway to, uh, to feeling good and something that they want to incorporate more in their lives. And so um, I, I am all of the opinion that there's no one right way. There's no uh, single method or, uh, you know, one uh, place that everybody needs to go in order to find a, a higher state of uh, of well-being in their lives. So mm -hmm. this is a virtual menu of options. And uh, if you want to step up to the buffet and just take, take one side, um, whether that's love or kindness, and focus on that one specific skill, um, that's fantastic. That's awesome. I, I just want to sit one thing straight, because when I was looking at your website and, you know, I communicated with you about your book and then program, is it the same thing? Is it a book that you do your own learning from or do you have a book and a program that you possibly teach in person or online? What What's, yeah, tell us a bit more yes. about that. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So a happier you started as a program and it still remains a program that you can complete um, as uh, individually um, or as part of a group. And we hold groups periodically of the program and everybody moves together um, through the seven weeks and shares their insights and what they learn about themselves and practices the skill in each hour of the program. Um, and that can be done individually, um, like I mentioned. And then this idea of the book 
Um, it serves two functions. The first is that it acts as a nice companion guide to the program um, because it, it contains many more exercises than we're able to get to within the hour um, that you spend uh, on each theme, uh, each skills area. Um, and it also is um, an, a resource that you can pause. So let's say you want to spend three weeks practicing directed mindfulness of that first week skill. That's perfectly wonderful. You can hit the pause button and you can dive in. And when you feel ready, move on to week two, week three, maybe stop, put it down for a while and then come back to it. So I, I really am enamored with the idea that we have um, a relationship with ourselves that can have its own pace and um, really, we can match on to whatever we're reading, what we need in that moment. You know, maybe somebody starts, you don't always recommend this, but maybe they start in week seven because they really need love to be more present in their lives. And they're looking for ways that they can expand the boundaries of love. And so I offer a couple of exercises in how you can um, practice that kind of loving kindness um, expression. Mm, okay. I, I just want to direct people where people can find this. It's scottglasman.com. That's S-C-O-T-T-G-L-A-S-S-M-A-N.com. Am I saying it right? Glasman, Glassman. I'm really not sure. I've, I've had this conversation with you and now I've just forgotten. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's right both ways. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, we haven't finished there, of course, but. I just wanted to get back. We've spoken about how you help people as a psychologist and so forth, which is awesome work that you do. What about you? Where did this all first start? What, tell us a bit about yourself. Is that too much of a general question? Or can I ask how you, what got you into yeah. psychology in the first place? Yeah, and I, I think um, for many people, um, it begins, uh, wanting to help others begins in a place of difficulty begins mm. in a place of pain. Um, so uh, I was uh, a survivor of some pretty severe bullying uh, in my middle school years. Um, and I developed a severe clinical depression uh, when I was uh, an adolescent. And then um, that persisted into young adulthood. And I really um, was in a place in my life where I, I never thought that I would be happy. Now on the outside, on the exterior, I seemed to have it all. I had uh, loving parents. Um, I did well in school. Um, I had aspirations and goals that on the outside, you know, were, you know, seemed to fit in with what my uh, uh, family's expectations were and even what I thought my own expectations were. So, but in inside, I was feeling very isolated and very consumed by uh, ruminative thinking, a negative sense of self, lo very low self-worth. And that translated into um, really not feeling connected with the world in a fundamental way. Um, and it was, you know, thankfully, because I saw um, some great therapists who really um, helped restore a connection uh, with loving myself um, and helping me see my strengths and appreciate those strengths independently of what you know, maybe not feeling like I was had friends who would reinforce those or um, even sometimes that not being reinforced in the way I wanted it to be within my family. So it was really the beginning of an internal circulation by getting that kind of professional help of seeing that, you know, uh, well-being 
isn't always just about let me fix you or let me you know let me solve what's wrong or you know you um have this kind of psychopathology that we need to diagnose and then fix the wrong thought or the wrong behavior, but rather let's see what we can celebrate within you and help flourish and help grow from, uh, from your, the, the side that you're not seeing your best possible self. And that, that kind of help inspired me to want to do the same, you know, for others uh, going forward. So that was the first kind of pivot point for me, hmm. um, that I kind of survived this, that I, um, was able to recover from depression, um, and able to thrive and then go into a field where I could give back in the same way that other others had helped me, um, in my life. So that was a key turning point. And then another turning, so I uh, went to the university of Pennsylvania, um, and there I, um, got involved in Martin Seligman's, uh, lab. And Martin Seligman uh, is widely considered the founder of the field of positive psychology. Uh, in 1998, a few months after he was elected president of the American Psychological Association, mm. um, he changed the focus of the field into celebra the celebration of strengths and um, our best attributes and how to nourish and nurture those attributes. Um, so it was seminal for me to have been connected with his lab at a time when he was already thinking about these things and help. I was a part of a project that helped middle school students in Philadelphia become more resilient by looking at the way they were thinking about their world and interpreting events. Um, so that was an extremely important moment uh, for me. And then the, the third moment, um, again, came at a pain point. It's interesting how your pain yeah. points in life yeah arise right and then they make you look inward again and to reassess and say what else do i need in this moment i have not learned by far all that there is to know about about life and meaning and and where i fit um i was in a car accident mild some might consider compared to what many other people struggle with health-wise but i uh i experienced really pretty severe back pain that was debilitating for me um and the depression surged up again. And I was looking for a way to, to help myself through that. And I found mindfulness. Um, I'm not yeah. sure how familiar you are with the practice of mindfulness, but it's yeah. paying attention on, you know, in the present moment, not judgmentally to experience. And that discovery helped me change the relationship that I had to my body and what my body was telling me. And the idea that I could watch my pain and hold it in a compassionate, gentle space without needing to struggle against it was, was hugely helpful in all levels and social levels and emotional levels and physical levels that that prompted a surge into, wow, how can I take mindfulness, which I was became so near and dear to me personally and had a, a wide research base from the work of John mm -hmm. Kabat-Zinn and others and bring that more into my world as, uh, as a psychologist in training. So, um, some mindfulness has become the basis. That's the first part of a happier you is how can we use mindfulness in a, a maybe a different, a little bit of different kind of way than how it's been traditionally talked about in the literature. So, so my journey then, you know, brought me into the doctoral program, uh, in clinical psychology at, uh, the Philadelphia college of osteopathic medicine health psychology was my focus. And how can we live healthier lifestyles? 
uh, learned motivational interviewing and positive psychology came into all of that and crystallized while um, while I've been at PCBOM and emerged into a happier you, mm. which really sort of tells uh, my life story in terms of its influences kind of coming together and something that I'm many ways I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. I'm echoing or, or collecting in new ways, uh, many different elements that we know to be effective. So um, maybe I'm a chef in a kitchen, you know, with lots of different pre-made ingredients and putting it, <laughs> putting them into the soup and saying, Hey, you know, this soup tastes pretty good. Would you like some, you know, that's, yeah. that's maybe how I look at it now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, when you talk about mind- mindfulness, sorry, it made me think about a conversation that I just had recently with someone. And I don't know if this is the, uh, sort of the, what you're kind of mentioning, I was talking about how stress can really affect people, people's health, like physically. And I've seen that with uh, a number of people where it just stress is so bad uh, that, you know, it, it sort of delves into other problems with health issues and stuff like that. Is that the similar thing that you're talking about with mindfulness? Yeah. So mindfulness, the goal of mindfulness is uh, not necessarily to reach any one uh, better state, you know, mm-hmm. uh, more to be, it's the goal traditionally is not to become more relaxed or to feel any, that, that, that may be a, a byproduct of practicing non-judgmental kind attention to an object of awareness or a field of awareness. Um, and at the same time, what we know is that when you enter that kind of separated state when you are able to become the observer to your experience, your physical, emotional, social experience in the world around you, that that changes um, how your body is responding to internal stimuli. So if you're experiencing chronic pain, um, you know, let's say you have a knee injury, um, the pain from your knee injury, the signals are not able to get to your brain as effectively because you are essentially by practicing this kind of separated, watchful, kind sense of awareness, closing what they call the gate, um, the gate to those pain signals. So your, your, your brain isn't really, doesn't need to process uh, as many of them. Um, so people have noticed from mindfulness practice uh, reductions in the perceived severity of pain as well as the functional interference of pain in their lives, mm. um, which is pretty, that exemplifies the mind-body connection to a T. Um, and the osteopathic tradition uh, teaches that connection to medical students in, uh, in the medical school where I teach. And psych- as psychologists, as a health psychologist, a positive psychologist, we have to pay attention to the extraordinary impact that the mind can have in a healing way. Mm. What uh, I just want to ask you also out of your different challenges that you've experienced, what is the most uh, difficult, I suppose, and and then what kept you going to move forward? Yeah, um, I, I would say the, the most difficult challenges were in my youth um, yeah. and you know, learning to have a different relationship, um, not only with myself, but with my thoughts and just not needing to 
believe the story of my thoughts all the time that, you know what, you know, these, this, this story, this ruminative story that was negativistic um, emerged from uh, misunderstandings of who I was at a, at a deep level, you know, beliefs that I had formed about myself based on negative, some negative peer interactions and rejection um, that, you know, I was, you know, unlovable, unworthy and, and incapable in many ways that we call those core beliefs, uh, schema, core schema, mm. um, that the thoughts that would arise from them, like, ah, why even try that? You're not going to do well at that. Or, you know, no one's going to like you or approve of you. Those thoughts that come out of those core beliefs of worthlessness, helplessness, and hopelessness, um, that they're just thoughts, you know, they're, they're, they're they don't make reality. Um, they don't have to make reality or that the kind of reality that they, that if you subscribe to them and continue to uh, encourage their circulation will actually become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, but that you could hold them in awareness in a kindly awareness, watch them as if you're watching clouds, you know, pass across the sky of your awareness. And then at some point, which is the basis of a happier you, the basis of how I think about positive psychology when it's right for you, pivoting into what are some ways that I can either make meaning out of the suffering or what are some of the strengths that I do have um, that maybe you know striving to overcome depression has shown me. I think it showed that I was persistent and that um, I was able to use creativity and rely on my desire and mission to wanna to help others as a kind of a propulsion uh, mechanism, a centering mechanism to help me move forward in a positive way um, in my life in each day. Mm. That is really inspiring that you got to that spot because uh, there are a lot of people out there and and especially now I, I believe that through the situations we're going through, that uh, going through depression and so forth, I'm talking about the situation with COVID and so forth. Um, What are some, I suppose, things that people could identify if they see other people, like just to go, hey, are you okay? Is there other signs? You know what I'm saying? Like loved ones or friends and that sort of thing. Are there any particular signs that, you know, that is common with your knowledge and your experience and uh, patience that you've had? Is there there signs for people to go, okay, we just need to check you know, get a check-in or, you know, uh, or what is the word that I'm trying to say? Um, bring attention to, I suppose. Yeah. I haven't said it the right way. <laughs> I'm just trying no, you, to. You said it perfectly. Yeah. And I, I think um, you're talking a lot about signs of depression and what, what do you look out for if you have a loved one, a friend hmm. who maybe you notice that they're withdrawing or they're saying no to, you know, going out for a bite to eat or doing something that you used to do together. Um, if you notice them talking in, in really negative, negative, negative ways or uh, feelings of hopelessness or kind of emanating from, you know, their perspective on their own goals, like, you know, poo-pooing things that they, you know, had once said they felt confident that they could do. So kind of a lower, what we call kind of a lower sense of self-efficacy or a sense of helplessness. So thoughts are 
or express thoughts like, you know, I'll, you know, never be able to get out of this situation. So why try, Mm. you know, those types of statements are to me sound like warning signs along with the affect, you know, if you look at depressive affect, um, you know, somebody who it has a lot of uh, sad mood, um, who maybe is having frequent crying spells, Mm. um, express thoughts of wanting, not wanting to be here, passive suicidal ideation, or, you know, active thoughts of not wanting to be here, if they've, you know, made a plan, I think it's really important, if any of those signs are coming out, um, that number one, that you listen empathically and not try to solve the problem or give advice. I think Mm -hmm. what people want in those situations is to be heard and cared for and validated. Um, And number two, helping as best as possible, normalize and encourage uh, professional help, seeking professional help. Um, And so many people are reluctant, I think, to do more now, I think, but still a lot, there's a lot of reluctance to go see a therapist, a licensed professional counselor, a licensed psychologist who has the experience to diagnose, to help, and to to guide them forward through that rough patch and even seeking psychiatric assistance if medication is needed. Oftentimes the combination of medication and therapy are the best um, for treating depression. But I think it's not trying to solve the problem, being a good listener, and then you know, kind of linking to, um, to a steady professional hand. Yeah. Because I want to go back to your example, if you don't mind me asking, what got you through the door? What, what made you go, okay, I need to see a therapist. Was that a struggle getting you there or was it just you being, okay, I realize I need help. (laughs) Do you know? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was pretty clear that, um, that I needed help and that I was pretty impaired. Um, and, you know, uh, a significant amount um, at that time uh, for me of having suicidal thoughts. And, Uh, you know, there's, you know, I really, it it was clear um, that I was in need of significant help. It's not always that clear, um, but, but, you know, it it, it could be. And I was fortunate enough to, you know, have, um, you know, parents who were really in tune with that and could, you know, help me find the resources that I needed. and, you know, we all need help in life. That's, that's mm. a strength, you know, and I focus a lot on strengths in my program, personal strengths. They say that we all have a set of signature strengths that we carry with us. And the more we can be cognizant of what those strengths are in the octaves of, if you think about your strength, your personal strengths as a kind of music, there are many different notes playing in the symphony of your best attributes that you carry across at any situation, difficult uh, or joyful, um, social strengths like teamwork and fairness and emotional strengths like hope, gratitude, love, transcendent strengths like curiosity, love of learning, appreciation of beauty. Um, when we can say like, wow, you know, look at what I can do and, and look at what I can appreciate about myself, that opens the doorway to a lot of positive feelings and, the po- and positive thoughts. And more, most importantly, Donna, hope for yeah, the future. I agree. You know? Yeah. So getting back to your program, who is this for? So Happier You is, so I'll I'll start by saying who it's not for. Okay. Um, It's probably not for people who are experiencing uh, severe clinical depression or uh, other uh, psychiatric, active psychiatric 
um, challenges in, in their lives where the level of impairment that they're experiencing on a day-to-day -day basis is so severe that um, you know a, a different kind of help is probably needed. The program is more for um, enhancement and helping people become more resilient. So you don't necessarily need to have a problem going on in your life or a significant stressor in order to benefit from uh, from a happier you. Mm. Um, in fact, I would recommend when you're in a, in a place where you're feeling um, pretty okay with things that you begin to bring in that kind of preventive skill set in case the, you know, when the skies do become stormy again in, in life, that you'll have an even wider uh, tool set in order you know, to draw from and bring practices to bear on, on how you can endure the storm and then thrive beyond that. Um, so I, I truly believe that, um, you know, many of us, most of us ha haven't really realized our full potential, that we have so many uh, higher levels of, you know, being in terms of, you know, what we can achieve, who we can be in our relationships, and the meaning that we can create um, in our lives. And so this program is for anybody who wants to find um, find those higher levels and experience more positive feelings and thoughts on a daily basis. The kinds of thoughts like, yes, I'm looking forward to today. I have, I, I feel my purpose. I know what I want to do with my day. I have certain long-term goals and short-term goals. I have a sense that kindness is important and love uh, cultivating those uh, attributes uh, as pathways to well-being, along with a mindful approach to the good that's happening as much as anything else. Mm. On the theme of goals, uh, do you have sort of with your own experiences in your own personal life when you've achieved goals, because you've achieved many goals, Scott, what do you have a plan that you put in place? Is this plan a similar plan? If you do, how or did you just kind of fall upon it? Okay, I achieved that. Is there some sort of, you know, a plan in place? And some people think of the end result first and then work backwards. What's, what's your thing? Yeah, I'd like to write my goals down. Um, I think it can be very helpful to put pen to paper when it comes to um, establishing and clarifying. Sometimes we need some help clarifying what our top goals are and prioritizing. So any, any step you can take to We've lost you for a minute, Scott. Are you still there? Okay, we had a bit of sound problem there, unfortunately, Scott. Um, yeah, issues, internet, all that sort of thing. So you were saying... Now we're back. Yes. <laughs> hey, you were saying uh, there, we're talking about a plan that you put in place when aiming for your goals. And is it the same plan you use every time? You're talking about writing down goals and prioritising. Can you, yeah go into that more so we can hear it now. <laughs> yeah, ab absolutely. So in thinking about your goals, prioritization is really important and what helps us with prioritization, but assessing what our values are. Um, in the book I talk about in week five, this idea of a values positioning system that we all have a set of values. It may be different for you know, each one of us, but when we're aware of what we care about, whether it's creativity, faith, family, um, contributing to the world in a different way, um, exercise, diet, whatever our value is, healthy lifestyle, 
we then can develop goals which correspond to meeting that value. And that automatically, just by the fact that we know it's a core value, it rises higher in that daily list or the weekly list. Um, Mm -hmm. So one great strategy, I think, and I'd love to hear your thoughts, Donna, about this Mm -hmm. is setting up a short term goal list that are that are based on is based on your values and then a longer term goal list. So maybe maybe you have some goals over the next few weeks. Um, If we stick to the healthy lifestyle value, if that's if that's Mm -hmm. a core value, maybe it's to increase the amount of running that you're doing uh, each week, maybe to two or three days. And maybe related to diet, your goal is to eat less uh, junk food and increase uh, your fruit and vegetable intake. Um, And that might be your short term goal around that might be related to, you know, maybe I'm going to buy more of my favorite vegetable, maybe for me, it's carrots. So if I have more carrots in the house, Mm -hmm. more and more cucumbers, you know, I'll, I'll tend to reach for that instead of Uh, instead of the snacky foods. And then you can kind of look, so those might be my short-term goals. Then you might look at the longer term. So what are my longer term goals, maybe related to my career? Or if you continue with healthy lifestyle, you think about where do I want to be in six months with my diet, with my physical activity level, with my uh, energy level, and how consistent I'm feeling good. So in terms of my mood mood stability and, and level of kind of performance in my job and at, at home and in my role as a dad. So those might be this, this longer term arc of looking at the bigger picture mm. of how, let's say, you know, in terms of career, for instance, you know, a goal might be to, you know, continue working on that book that you, you started out and actually by six months have, you know, have half the book completed. Yeah. I mean, that might be linked to a core value of helping others creativity, immersing yourself in a new area, curiosity, learning new information, and then translating that. So all of those values are drawn upon in that longer term sense. In the short term sense, you know, you have other values that may be um, really active in terms of healthy lifestyle, and they all can kind of converge. But I think the the main idea here is, is the idea of self-awareness. So kind of like kind of checking in with yourself saying, you know, because we all get drawn away into other things that are happening in our lives, which may be lower down in our priority list, but they're di- their demands that come out of left field. You know, maybe your boss calls you unexpectedly um, and you, a new project just falls into your lap and you're taken away from your writing or taken away from something that you had planned with with your family. So in that in that sense, just checking in and knowing, hey, this is still a priority for me can feel a little bit reassuring because you know you already have a sense that's an anchor that's you're going to come back to because it's it's high on your list you've written it down it's right there in front of you you're you're staring at it um, versus kind of this amorphous thing like I sort of know where I want to go in my life I think I know the direction and then something hits you and pulls you away you're unhappy you don't really know sort of why you're unhappy because you haven't articulated your core set of values. You haven't articulated the, the um, actions that correspond with those values and you haven't articulated the time frame. So I mm. think all of those elements for me become really uh, important in being intentional, self-aware and self-monitoring what's happening in my environment, what's happening inside. And there's, if there's a tug of war, if there's a tension there, how, how can I best resolve that? Yeah, good advice. Thank you. 
I I agree with you because you were saying before, you know, about my checking in with me if I <laughs> agreed with that. Yeah, and I, I definitely think having a long-term picture of what you're aiming for and just breaking it down and having those, you know, current short-term goals will lead you there instead of this big scary goal that looks too scary to achieve if you don't do that in the short term, those those steps that you mentioned. Yeah, totally. Yeah, agree with you in that. Yeah. Small, like manageable yeah. chunks, yeah. right? Versus, yeah. And we can kind of think of also the cognitive piece of this. So if I'm becoming overwhelmed, why exactly when I think of maybe the, the end goal, running the marathon or finishing the book, why do why does that pro- provoke fear or anxiety or a sense of withdrawal or avoidance? You know, that's an mm. interesting question because sometimes mm. then you can get to deeper beliefs that you've developed about yourself, maybe around uh, not feeling capable at a core level, not feeling either lovable or valuable in some way that or or that you don't deserve to reach that level of accomplishment. You know, there's all kinds of um, they call you've heard the term limiting beliefs. Um, yes. I like to, as a as a psychologist like to think of them as core beliefs that uh, may be off base um, based on our experiences when we were younger, and we form these uh, these mistaken ways of viewing ourselves that don't serve us. They don't serve the people around us, but they feel true because there's an emotional a negative emotional resonance as we learned you know, from the events in our, in our field of awareness, from our environment, from our parents, from our peers, from work life, things that happened, which no longer serve us well. So that's what I would invite your listeners to do. If you're feeling that kind of tension, oh, there's this huge goal. Sure. Absolutely. In the, in the short term, break it up into small pieces. So it feels Mm -hmm. manageable, but don't just ignore the, um, the resistance, that you may be experiencing by the the bigger picture, because that can tell you a lot. It can tell you a lot about the work that you need to perhaps continue to do and seeing yourself and feeling that you are lovable, that you're capable and that you have a bright future. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, you mentioned in that answer too about, you know, a book being uh, a goal and you I'm yeah. just yeah you've just had your book launch I want to hear about your book launch and how it went that's exciting congratulations by the way Donna thank you so much yeah a happier you um, it's a seven-week program to transform negative thinking into positivity and resilience um, the book is a reflection of a program uh, that I uh, have been uh, running and developed uh, developed at PCOM the Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine and it's just been a true gift to be able to translate what we've been doing with groups of people and individually into a guide that somebody can follow along, broken up into seven weeks, and uh, basically learn a new set of habits that can transform the way you work with your attention in a habitual way so that it almost becomes over time more automatic for you to focus on the good things that are happening to you in your life, access gratitude, know what your personal strengths are, know what your values are, uh, invite lightness, laughter, playfulness in love and kindness circulating around that picture. And so the book, as I 
um, birthing it into the world. You know, anytime you write a book, you're, you, yeah. you sit with it in, in a kind of quiet isolation. You know, even though we've been running this program and going through each module with groups of people and sometimes individually, um, there are a number of exercises that I added to each of the core modules in the book which we weren't doing. So being able to share that with people now and see what they're excited about, see what they're responding well to. Um, I had one person uh, write to me saying that she was really enjoying the uh, activity scheduling and looking at refueling her life with enjoyment and meeting through what she was doing each day in, uh, week, in week five. So another person really felt a profound sense of relief and reassurance and comfort that a book on positivity, you might think, well, it's going to really send me to a place where I can't feel negative or I can't feel stressed and I have to deny that or I have to even feel bad about that. That's not what mm -hmm. a happier you is at all. And so um, w one person who was reading the book said that the fact that we're beginning by cultivating acceptance around negative thinking, negative experiences, negative feelings, negative, even negative physical states, meeting pain with compassion and patience and, and almost a, a quiet space versus a push and pull and a, you know, a, a judgment is where we begin in week one. So that, that's really, uh, you know, enlightening to me because it's a, the way in, in the sense that it's the way I've always function and the way I think of well-being is having that sense of acceptance when things aren't going right, um, when you're looking at maybe where you're not as strong in, uh, in areas of your life. But now seeing that other people are resonating with that same approach, that same kind of delicate, like I compare, I use the analogy in the book of negative thoughts and experiences being like dark trees in the forest where you're kind of, you feel, you could feel a little bit lost and you're looking for a clearing. And what, what provides that clearing is that sense of permission to have what is a normal part of human experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and because we give ourselves that permission, we're not pushing that away. That opens doorways for us to pivot at a time that's right for us into something more constructive something maybe less, less ruminative if we keep on turning around worries and fears, whether it's about relationships or work or um, health that can consume us in these negative thinking, feeling, doing cycles when we can say, okay, I'm not going to push against this right now. However, I'm going to keep a watchful eye for the clearing as I accept these dark trees. And sure enough, what happens is that people find that when you accept it passes faster, Th those negative thoughts clear a little bit. There may be a glimmer that you're able to isolate. Maybe it's something you're looking forward to that, you know, if, if you had a, a, real, uh, a real difficult week at work, for instance, that's really consumed you with worry about the future. And are you still going to have the job? And are you still going to be uh, at a place where you can perform well and if, if support your family to, you know what? there's something I'm looking forward to with my family. And now that's coming through because I've brought acceptance to my reaction, not indulging the reaction, 
but bringing a kind of awareness to it that's gentle, loving, open, um, and even curious, right? Yeah. Even though, you know, because what does this show? What does this show me about myself? So it sounds like you've had a good reaction and had people come up to you as well. Do you find like I'm, I'm just going to put it out there uh, to the audience again? If you're a person that likes to read a book, yeah, and then you want more, or you could think I want to put this into practice, but don't know where to actually do it or prefer to put it in practice with you or a group of people, this is where you can go to scottglassman.com. A Happier You is a program as well. I just wanted to remind people of that as well. So that that's I love the program aspect as well. Um, myself, also getting in with a bunch of other people and having a taste of, you know, you. <laughs> directly is is awesome as well hey I just want to ask who inspires you Scott and why I I am really inspired by uh, some of my uh, spiritual teachers even though I have not met many of them in person but the teachings of Eckhart Tolle um, in his phenomenal work the power of now really teaching me the importance of the, the present moment and just allowing presence to be experienced without the story of our thoughts and allowing us to step back from thinking. Um, he's been such a powerful mentor for me. Uh, Deepak Chopra. Um, Deepak Chopra wrote a book called, mm-hmm. called Quantum Healing when I was uh, in a lot of pain after a car accident, finding his book and finding the idea that I could heal myself just through how I chose to approach my suffering by, by changing that from like we were just talking about from resistance into compassion and warmth. I was changing my physiology at the same time. And sure enough, you know, um, Deepak through his words, through that book, I think I credit him to being able to recover uh, from that car accident, uh, being able to feel hope again, uh, my depression lifted. Uh, it, that was just a phenomenal gift to have discovered his teachings. Um, Wayne Dyer has been an influential uh, thinker for me. Um, Alan Watts and his beautiful translation of Eastern philosophy into the West um, and the concepts of Buddhism and attachment and non-attachment. Viktor Frankl. So uh, your audience probably knows the book, Man's Search for Meaning. Uh, Viktor Frankl is credited for the development of existential psychology, the focus on uh, meaning in life and the importance of having meaning and purpose and how that sustains us through adversity. Uh, Viktor Frankl was a uh, Holocaust uh, survivor mm-hmm. and he was able to survive um, the concentration camps because of the last, what he calls the last of the human freedoms, mm. which was to choose his attitude in that set of conditions to yeah. choose to look at the sky, to see the birds um, amidst all of that atrocity. Um, And so that has inspired me in thinking about how do we access meaning and purpose every day? It's so important. It's a core part of a happier you. Um, We touch upon, you're touching upon it when you open the book yeah. and as you move through and especially focusing on it uh, in week five with enjoyment and meaning as they're translated into activities and values um, in life, because we need the why. Right, Donna, yeah. we need we, we yes, need our why. We need the tools to get there. We need the pathway and the road, and uh, but we also need the roadmap. 
the the sense of our mission, our personal mission. Um, so it's a real, uh, real delight to kind of. I'm. I love that you asked me that question. Because I know you are, are the first person that's come up with a list of names. <laughs> <laughs> it be, because I'm they're so, all speaking uh, to me. <laughs> that's awesome. And still speak to me. Yeah. Uh, it sounds that way. Yeah, definitely. And, and that's through the power of books as well. Like we were talking before, not just, you know, a person that you know directly, but the yeah. power of books and hearing, you know, and, either them speak or so forth. But yeah, that's awesome. And, and, and in any to so that um, your, your audience doesn't think and the audience maybe include my my son and my wife that wait, we don't inspire you. Uh, Scott, really? <laughs> uh, my wife and my son continually inspire me by um, leading me into lightness. You know, that's that's the skill that nice. I've been working on. Because even I've written this book about a happiness program and positive psychology has been a part of my work as a psychologist. Um, and at the same time, I'm a learner too. I'm constantly a learner. I'm constantly a practitioner. I'm constantly looking at my wobble, uh, as I call it, when we get pulled away from our, our core values into that kind of frustrated, losing your mind level. It happens to all of us, happens to yeah. the best of us. And, and now it's about, can you bring yourself back? Do you have the tools to do that? Do you have the awareness? And um, my son um, just, he's uh, recently turned 12 and he is just, he has a wonderful heart and I'm so grateful every day. You know, I, I talk about gratitude in week three in the book he is a constant reminder of the most special gift in this life. Um, the ability to be with people you love and to be able to nurture someone else's success. And we mm -hmm. do that through our family, right? We do that with our friends. We do that with our colleagues at work. Um, so that gift is, you know, sometimes uh, in the irritable throes of puberty, but sure, but you know, it's still- <laughs> We've all been through that. <laughs> Yeah, so you know, you know that um, that sometimes you have to look a little bit harder for the gift of uh, yeah. <laughs> and the inspiration. Um, and and my lovely wife, who's a licensed clinical social worker, she's she helps others and has truly giving for her is part of her uh, her DNA. It's part of her what I love about her, and she gives in so many different ways and and does it with grace. So. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so my intellectual inspirers <laughs> and then my, my family inspirers, I have, I, I feel like I have a, I could go on and on about the, uh, the people <laughs> in my life, that as way, I'm sure that you great. could, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Hey, one last question. Sure. I want to see if this is going to be one quote, but you may have many and that's fine. Do mm. you have a favorite quote or mantra when aiming for your goals? Yes. And um, I'm going to go back to Viktor Frankl yeah. um, because uh, Viktor Frankl wrote that he who has a why to live can bear with almost any how. He who has a why to live can bear with almost any how. And I think what Victor, Victor Frankl was trying to tell us was that um, when with your goals, when because we all face obstacles, we have goals that maybe, you know, we have, we, we see that we fall short of or yeah. maybe we have to change the goal. Mm. But if we're faced with a roadblock, we're faced with an injury, an illness, a death, faced with uh, a loss of uh, the environmental uh, possibility that would have made that goal 
um, given that goal, you know, the ability to uh, flourish into re- into a reality, I think we can come back to what's important to me. Because if when I think about what's important to me, I become more ready to solve the problem. I become more balanced about maybe I can take a different path to it. Maybe I need to back up and and reevaluate what my priorities are. You know, there there are gifts in our obstacles, and it's about the attitude that we take toward our challenges, not the challenges themselves. Mm-hmm. It's our response and our reaction to what stands in our way, which in and of itself could be the key obstacle, which is, you know, the yeah. type of thinking, oh, well, you, you know, I wasn't, I sent my manuscript out. If you're a writer, I sent my manuscript out to, you know, 15 publishers and I got 15 rejections. Um, well, you can draw the conclusion that the negative conclusion that you're not meant to be a writer and that you'll never have your words out in the world. Or you could sit, rest in the sense of what's important to you and the joy of the process of writing and how that could be a core part of your being and say that leads you to think, I know there's a different how. It's, yeah. it's, maybe the, it's maybe the 15 other publishers I haven't tried yet. Maybe it's the revising the manuscript in a certain way, taking a new direction with it. Maybe it's getting feedback from an editor, right? The mind starts to process all of the, um, all of the, in the trial and error way where you can go next with, uh, with, with your dream. Uh, so uh, that, that quote always inspires me no matter what's going on in my life, that um, if I'm in touch with my why, the how will make itself known. The, the doors will open. It may not be in the way I expected. Um, it, it may not be in the time frame that I would have w- wanted. Right? Life doesn't seem to happen in the time frames that no, we it ask it to happen. It Isn't that amazing? It doesn't happen perfectly, but there's a, a journey to it, and maybe it doesn't happen in the right way because there's something more for us to learn along the way as well. I like how yeah. you mentioned before about always learning. Because we're none of us are experts in life. I th- I believe we learn something every day, and to embrace that and not look at it as oh geez I should have known that, <laughs> rather than that just yeah. look at it in that different mindset, embrace it, and yeah there there are many famous authors out there just to reiterate what you've said that have had more than 15 knockbacks and yeah yeah, they've kept going and then they've produced you know books that are read around the world because uh, Harry Potter is one of those (laughs) Uh, how many knockbacks did she get so yeah um, Stephen King Stephen King another Um, and and he had actually took his rejection slips and he had like a, a a kind of a it was a tradition of just putting him through a spike on his desk because he was so <laughs> determined. He knew that his his why was writing and, yeah. and he wasn't going to be stopped by by the tons of rejections that he was getting early in his career. And that's that's inspiring. Yeah, yeah that's for sure. Hey, I'm so pleased that we have had a chance to chat and we got through yeah. the, you know, the Internet issues. The technical and so challenges. <laughs> yes, we did it. That was our goal. Donna and we accomplished it we were meant to talk (laughs) so happy are you again this is a program that I that is so exciting that you can access at scottglassman.com and also purchase the book of course so there's two things there to do so go for it I really you know recommend after speaking to you Scott I'm just super impressed and 
Yeah, and I think you've got a, a lot to help everyone with and teach. So thank you very much for speaking with me. It's been a pleasure. Donna, it's, it's, this has been uh, so wonderful to um, chat with you, and I'm, I'm feeling even more inspired right now after our conversation to, um, to, to do great things. So I, I think that you have that way of bringing out the best in people through, through conversation, through our, um, you know, through our dialogue. So thank you for the opportunity to talk about a happier you. Um, you if your audience is wondering um, where the, it's best to purchase it, um, I would say Amazon or Barnes and Noble. They're both, they both oh, carry okay. it. Yeah. Um, okay. So. All right. Thanks for that. All yeah. right. And, and thanks again. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Okay. Thanks. And bye for now, everyone. If you'd like to be a guest on Ready, Set, Goal podcast, contact me at readysetgoalpodcast.com and we'll chat further there. Bye for now.